be shift boss. Okay, radio check. Yeah, radio's working fine. Yeah, copy all personnel. Yeah, copy, mate. There's a chair in the vet bag. Yeah, stitch her up there. Thanks, mate. Yeah, right, eh? Copy that. We'll have to say it on... Um, we a lot, yeah, we started a live episode. I had an alcohol-free day yesterday. Did you? Jumped up out of bed, 100 push-ups. I'm on fire today. Oh, my Lord. I didn't. I had um, Aperol Spritz, a couple of, couple of Aperol Spritz. Oh, yeah. It's a bit wanky, but I quite like it. It's a bit wanky. Well, speaking speak of wanky, your life. Ever since our last episode, which was 66 a while ago, very long time ago, your life has become very wanky. Let's go through it. But, oh, my Pro- life is wanky. Well, promoted yeah, okay. to... Managing director yes, at Q, yes. non-executive director for Silver Lake, won the essentially the Woman of the Year. Oh, the um, Champion Women and Resources. Champion that was last Women year. Women and Resources. Uh, I can only attribute it to <laughs> the fact that you come on the podcast because your life just went awesome. Yeah, I reckon. Since you hadn't found a life partner since, but. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that was the only thing we did that you didn't conquer that well, we discussed. That might be me winning as well, Matt. You know that. <laughs> yeah, no, I did say that was the only thing I'll say about it. Yeah. <laughs> what a bloody what a what a meteoric rise. I have had I had a fantastic year. It was pretty funny actually because the end of what are we now? Twenty is it twenty two or twenty three? Twenty two. Okay, so the end. That's of, how old you get. And you yeah, don't no. even know your So birth, the end but. of twenty, which was the end of COVID, I'm mm. sitting there going, okay, that's it. My life is over. I'm done. I'm washed up. It's all over. <laughs> I must have just <laughs> retreat into my garden and, you know, take up cross-stitch, which I did. And and, and, um, and all your garden, Renos. That was yeah, that's publicised right. on social media. Did all my gardening and I thought, yep, yeah, that's it. I've, I've had a fair crack. I've done all right. I'm happy now. And then, uh, yeah, then things just went crazy. It did. Well, and the first was the... It would have been the M. You got the MD role at Q before at you the got the, of, the yeah. Ned role. Ned, how good like Ned acronym. Everyone loves that one. Non-executive director. Correct. It's good. A yep. Ned. Oh, yep. So I got a Ned job. Got a Ned role. Yeah, that was a year ago. Mm. So that was twenty twenty. Oh, and yeah, no, you obviously just finished your Australian Institute of Company Directors bloody thing. Just to, I'm, I'm presenting a good CV here. <laughs> Yeah. I did. I, I decided I, I'd put it off. I'd procrastinated about that for many mm. years and I finally decided to bite the bullet. It's quite expensive though. It's about Is it? seven and a half grand. Yeah, it's not cheap. Yeah. Well, but how much do you need it since you already had the Ned role and then you finished the course or was that sort of going in parallel together? No, not at all. I've been managed to do that course for a long time because I guess it's a formal piece of education and you're never mm. too old to keep you know, educating yourself and having some some formal backup to the things that I've been doing. It's kind of like an MBA, and I know you're a uh, mining engineer with an There's MBA. Fifty grand up on the wall <laughs> as you walked in. That's about all it's been good for. Yeah, but it's like my job at Cube has kind of been like an MBA in practice because mm. um, under the tutelage of the chairman, I've basically taken over running all the business the business administration. That's what I do. So that was an MBA in action. But the company director's course was um, something I needed to do. I felt like I needed to, you know, fill out my capabilities and understand if there were any holes, what it was. Governance, governance, if you don't read about governance or understand it, it, it can be a bit sort of nebulous. So it was good to do the course. What? Uh, so what, break it down, what are the big things that you cover in the, in the director's course? Oh, there's five topics, really. We're advertising for the AICD now, which is pretty good. <laughs> um, there's five topics. There's governance, there's uh, finance, law, um, strategy and risk, and then sort of pulling it together into boardroom mastery. So that was more psychology and how to work as a group of people and yeah. that sort of, that the group think of a board as the most important thing rather than individuals. Well, let's redo your interview that you did to get the get the job. What were, what, <laughs> what were you bringing to the boardroom? What were you, where, where do you slot into a into an ISX company? That's a, that was probably the first question they actually asked me when I walked in to, to meet with them. They were like, well, what are you here to bring? I was very clear right from the start that I didn't have any board experience apart from the cube board, which is kind of different because it's a private company. Mm. Going into an ASX-listed company is a very different experience. Uh, I bring 33 years in the industry. I've had a lot of management experience. The number one thing that you're looking for in a a board member, though, is is integrity 
and uh, you have a fiduciary duty to the company. That means you have to act in good faith all the time mm -hmm. and having a, a decent reputation and integrity and some smarts and a lot of business experience. Plus, I'm a geologist. Is I, I think I've got the mix, the ingredients mm -hmm. to... Uh, work on the board effectively. And what was it like your first meetings? Like, were you a bit apprehensive? Were you, were you shitting yourself going in there? Was it what? What was it like? Uh, yes, I was apprehensive because I'm walking into a board with very, very experienced people. Although, you know, right from the start, you know, I probably think I had about three or four interviews before I got the role. Right from the start, I said very clearly, I don't have experience. So when I was asked, well, what are you going to bring? I'm like, well, look, I'm here as a learning experience, but I'm also here to bring my perspective, to bring a different way of thinking about things. And that's the whole push to try and uh, expand boards is to get diversity of thought. And not and and not just gender diversity, is it? It's 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 diversity of thought, diversity. Yeah, that's correct. And there was a uh, geologist retiring from the board so they were looking at various people with different technical skills and i was the person that was successful yep so you walk in just strutting like conor mcgregor now you'd be a piece of piss <laughs> wouldn't it yeah walk in with my little corporate suit on going i'm here yeah um look it takes a while to find your feet you're not walking in there expecting that I'm going to make a massive amount of difference at the start. It mm -hmm. takes it takes a bit of time. You've got to get to know the dynamic. You've got to understand mm -hmm. what's going on. Um, and I would say that I would hope that I'm always going to be learning in any role that I'm in, that I'll continue to learn. Well, and it would be no different like, like a boardroom. Like There would be that many different varying personalities, egos, controlling people. Like When you go in, you have to – it would be a lot about reading the room and knowing where to – yeah, you've got to work the room a bit. In, in, like you can't go in bloody just throwing darts everywhere. And then I'm sure there's people that do. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I have spoken to other people that are probably newer directors about their experience. Um, and a lot of them do feel like they have to sit quietly, although it's very clear from the AICD point of view that nobody wants a um, – I can't remember the word they use for it, but like a talking head or a stick. They don't want a passive board member. Mm. Passive board members are, are not what's required. You do need to start to add your voice to things. I I have to be honest, I still feel like I haven't completely found my voice. I will um, – I'm not – I don't feel like I'm treated badly. I feel – I actually feel pretty good in, mm. in the position. I've, I'm very interested and I'm very engaged and – I don't feel like anyone talks over me. I think when I speak, I'm able to interrupt myself. All the things that a lot of the other women that I've spoken to talk about, I, I haven't experienced that. I feel like if I've got something to contribute that people are listening, which is a good place to be in. I wonder I wonder if there's many bust-ups in boardrooms. Like I think blow, there's a there lot. There would be some yeah. blasts because it's very, some very uh, egotistic, probably narcissistic, <laughs> powerful people in, in this room together and uh, tensions would fly high, I reckon, sometimes. I, th I think they are and they, you know, they say. On the wall. Yeah, no, mm. I think there'd be some good things. That's one of the good things about being on the board, though, is that you're finally in that place that you were sort of, for me, I was always aspiring to be in the room where people are talking about the big important things like strategy. What's the strategy? What are we going to do next? Mm. Who's doing what to who? Like you're actually in the place where those things are discussed. So I do enjoy that. And what, so that, this Ned role is the, the stepping stone to, is that, is that like getting that first one, is that the most difficult thing? As you said, you've gone in and said, I've got, I've got no experience on a board. Um, that'd be the hardest thing getting that first one, is it? From people you talk to? Yeah, from experience I've heard that it is. But I'm not sitting here going, you know, bring it on. I now need four more Ned roles. I'm actually pretty happy with this. I've got mm. another. I'm on the board of a not-for-profit organisation and I'm obviously on the board of Cube as well. So I'm not um, without plenty of things to, to look at. The not-for-profit is probably interesting because you do a lot more in that. That what space. is that one? It's um, I don't love the name, but it's called it's called the Center for Attitudinal Healing, mm. which sounds a bit uh, sounds a lot of things a bit hippie. Mm. Uh, originally set up by a couple of psychologists who brought a philosophy from California out to Perth in the eighties. The the main asset of the charity is a retreat center down at Serpentine, which is kind of like a school camp. 
yeah. but much nicer than that. Um, my kids have been going down there for years and, uh, and part of Busy Bees, just cleaning it up. But the main way we make money is by renting the centre out and we the psych Psychology, psychology programs are not such a big part anymore, although there still are some run by a couple of the board members run some sessions on vicarious trauma. Yeah. Yeah, and you yeah. had that before the Silver Lake Ned Roll, did you? Was that the- yes, I did. Yeah, that's usually yep. how they get the, get the foot in, isn't it? You've got to go uh, Ned for a um, like a charity or non-for-profit one first. That's the, I see a lot of people doing that. Yeah, I think yeah, I, I think that's. I saw my mate do it. I saw one person do that. <laughs> it's <laughs> that's the way much it's the way people do it. But I probably wasn't as calculating as that. Yeah, like yeah, it, yeah. I was asked onto that because I'm really close friends with people on that board, and I've spent a lot of time with them, and I I kind of feel like I've had lots to contribute there. Mm. You know, before that, I was a committee member of my netball club for years. Mm. That's. There's a lot more work on those things, even than a not-for-profit board. Oh, there'd be some bust-ups on there. That's where the bust-ups. <laughs> the bloody it, sporting parents, bloody yeah, yeah, yeah. Ne- nepotism at its best. No, it was all right because it was adults only, uh, oh, right, adults right. only committee. So that was actually yeah. pretty good. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that there was you really go. fun. Oh, you haven't even said the, any f words yet since you've bloody been here. So oh, look at me. You're very flash. Not the F word you're thinking about. What's the F word? You're, oh, feminism. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, what's the F word? Haven't we already said that in the kitchen? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's plenty of them in the kitchen. The bloody the uh, pre we had, we did a pre podcast vent session. Yeah, we yeah, did. We did pre uh, pre podcast. Save all the editing. <laughs> <laughs> so what's that? What's what's the bloody what's the goss in the world of? Uh, Wimwar and all that. There's plenty of God. There's some clickbait and me, the media, uh, yeah. lot. Yeah, she's a bit bloody prominent at the moment. What the women? Am- oh, well, yeah. Even the bloody paper, the Ch- newspaper, the West Australian again was an inflammatory thing. What was the one uh, last week? Was God oh, FIFO grubs? I think they referred to. Well, I think it said FIFO something knife blade, FIFO grubs, rape. There was like that was Mm. today that I saw a paper today. I don't read the West Australian at all, but I do see that. Oh, it's all headlines. But it's all it's all come about. I think this this clickbait sort of thing based on, um, you know, because West Australian subscription only now. You've got to buy the paper, but it's the online digital subscriptions, and they're running the bikey one for a while. They they'd put all the bikey articles up on Facebook to try and get you to subscribe and mining um, harassment. Not saying it doesn't exist, but I'm saying it's definitely being used. It's very um they're going for that shock factor. Yeah, they're, they're polarizing they're polarizing the issues when it actually really shouldn't be polarized in this uh, this uh I'm trying to think what the word is the public opinion. It's mm. it's trying to make opposing views over something that actually could be handled with a little bit more mature discourse. Mm. I think. Well, where where's since we last spoke, we do we went on about um, a lot about the. Uh, oh, okay, what did we? I forget what we talked about. Equality. <laughs> we went through. I was talking about my FIFO crash idea. That was one of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> in that, in especially with all the media stuff, where's it all? Where's it? Where, what's your view on the whole thing after the last uh, year? Well, How's everything going? How long have we got, Matt? A oh, couple of hours. This is what we got you here for. <laughs> Australia's number one feminist. I love it. Um, actually, it's lucky we just had the Wimwire conference on Friday, so yeah. it was pretty lucky. I, I would how's, have thought. How's Sabine? Sabine the minor is she hugging people yet or not? No, 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 no hugs. No. So, yeah, I went in for the hug and it was like, bloody, you know, put the palm up. No, it's hands. not personal. That's not about no, you. I thought That's, that. yeah, yeah, definitely not. Um, yeah, yeah, I would have thought you would have watched my little, uh, my geo podcast. I, I didn't my get geo- to it. Yeah, you did send okay. it to me. Yeah. I'm very sorry. <laughs> I thought I'd right. just get the live show here today. No, that's fine. Um and I noticed after watching myself on GeoHug that I say um a lot, so I'll yeah. apologise for that in advance. Yeah. I, I'm bit, not editing bit, it out, so yeah. Yeah, too much work. When my conference or summit was on Friday, it was yeah. the whole Queen dying through a spanner in the works, of course, because we were meant to have a two-day program and had to condense everything into one day on the Friday, so mm. it was all a bit rushed and crazy. The opening remarks or the opening speech was by the uh, Chief Justice, Peter Quinlan, 
QC, I believe, if I give his name, and that was absolutely brilliant. He had said some things. He'd stood up in front of a group of law society, I think it was, and talked about the fact that the law, which is also very male-dominated, that he, you know, has seen sexual harassment. He didn't think it was a surprise. He said a couple of things which were then completely twisted in the West Australian and twisted in the media. So his speech... They twisted his words specifically. They twisted it and and really put a whole spin on it, which was was not the nuance of what it meant. Mm. Hearing him speak on Friday was amazing. Like I, I do... It's ridiculous, but I always, I just get so, um, I get emotional when you hear a man standing up saying he recognises the things that women have been going through in male-dominated industries, and he speaks so eloquently and clearly. You know, my whole take, if you want me to do the whole take on it, this is not just mining industry, this is not a women's issue, this is an Australian societal issue. I I Mm. do believe we have a patriarchal society which means the needs of males are seen first and when you have an industry such as the law or such as construction or mining there are issues for women particularly intelligent ambitious women there are issues for them to progress in their career and and I've felt it many many times along the years yes I'm finally feel like I'm in a place that I feel like I could have been here 20 years earlier mm. if it had been a more fair and equal uh, equal opportunity, I guess. I think we're still in the transition phase, Not, and this is when you say not talking about mining specifically, but I only have to talk to – my mum was just over and we are talking about, you know, her father. She's not the biggest fan. But um, what life was like that generation ago, so it was – the, the he was that was your typical bloody work all day go to the pub get absolutely blind drunk drive home piss me dinner has to be on the table at six like that's yep. that's what we're coming from that and that was normal back then but i think both my grandfathers were like that like that that was there that was what was deemed normal in society back in the you know 70s 80s and then we're and we're trained we're as we're what 40 years on now we're still, I think, because the that generation is still, we're still transitioning out of that, and it's the same in mining. Those old school, when I was talking to you before, there's the old school miners that wouldn't like when women were. It was illegal for women to work underground, and when they did start working underground, some of them even not long ago didn't. Nah, you're not coming near my machine. Women yeah, don't yeah. belong underground, and they were still transitioning out of that. The percentages are becoming a lot lower, but they still. Exist absolutely, and you can't. I'm not here saying I can change any of these things, but you know, women's liberation movement was in the 60s, 60s, 70s. It's now 50, nearly 60 years after that, and all the statistics and all the evidence shows that it's just taking such a long time to change, Mm. and it's not. It's not like there's the good people and the bad people. It's the whole of society has not moved on yet to accept equality because the roots of inequality are very deep. Mm. Um, it can't, like I said, you can't change those people. People like me, though, are very frustrated that it takes such a long time to affect change and that there's a moral layer on this as well. Why? And it's not just about wanting opportunities for your daughter or your wife or anything like that. Why are people still in this society? I think Australian society is really quite far behind not seeing that it's not, there's opportunities for everybody in making society fairer. There's opportunities for everyone. There are opportunities for men, but it's very scary for men. It's very scary to think that uh, they might lose out. Now, the only thing they might lose out on is um, maybe they lose out on a job because a woman gets a job, and there's a lot of backlash that goes there. But still, it's a moral It's a moral issue. Why can't I have the opportunity that a 55-year-old man has? And I haven't had the same opportunity. Do you think it's gone a bit too far the other way in some areas where with the, you know, the gender quotas at work, um, like for, what do you want to mention specific companies, but the blue chip, I'm yep. sure you can figure out which <laughs> we ones We know who are. we're talking about, yeah. yeah. So they've got, they've got, they're aiming for like 50% 
women and and just talking to now this is obviously like word on the decline talk at the pub yeah, <laughs> to yeah, people yeah. that have that have worked at these big blue chip companies and they they've so their ver- their version, the males version was, yeah, no, nah, we had mates that were trying to get jobs, experienced underground people, but they were giving it to green females for the gender um, to re- reach the gender quotas, and they couldn't get a job. But so it's that that's their side of it. Yeah, I'm saying that's true. There might it has to. There's always a bit of an element of truth. Um, there's that risk as well, isn't there? Going too far the other way, and you actually end up because dis- you're you're there's you know, a backlash. Every, you, every, you create every, a backlash. Every every arm we've had, you don't talk about women. You talk about equality. Men should have the same opportunities as as women, whether it's being parents or being workers. And, and it looks like it can go too far the other way, where the actual men become disadvantaged to bridge that gap. Well, sometimes so. you have to go too far. You have to go further than you wanted to go because if we wait for this to ha- happen organically, it's still not going to happen, I think, for another 70 or 80 years. Oh, yeah, you're going to be pushing daisies by the time this, I'll this be pushing, is sorted. <laughs> and look, it, it's certainly not going to be sorted in my working life. But yeah. that, you know, that's a shame. That's a loss of people. That's the, what the Chief Justice mentioned. He said that there was a high-profile case, and I can't remember the names of the people, but so many women were lost to the law. They lost their love of the law. You, you lost them to the industry because mm. of inequality. And it's the same with, with mining. And, yes, I understand that in uh, blue chip companies, some men have missed out. There's plenty of other opportunity here. I went through every talk at Diggers and Dealers and looking to see, because it was really annoying me that everybody was going ESG, ESG and using gratuitous pictures of women in their presentations. I went through the entire gold industry, all the presentations from people from gold, and they weren't using images of women and they weren't talking about ESG. So I would contend that there are still plenty of opportunities for well-qualified men in the mining industry. Yeah, it might not be in the blue chip company, but there are plenty of opportunities for everybody at the moment. Everybody. Right. And um, the, uh, God, what was his name? Nick, uh, West African Resources. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Nick, Nick Hyde? No, I think. Richard Hyde. Richard Hyde. Sorry, mm. sorry, Richard, for getting your name wrong. <laughs> he, um, he probably put his put his cock on a block in a way in his speech. He was saying, and he says, oh, look, we're a bit different in, in West African Resources. We employ the best person. If that best person's a woman, they get, a woman, they get the job full stop. But like, I think that, everyone. That's how, like, yeah. that's, and, and, but. Some people are so scared to say things like that. They're like, oh, we've got to try and over-promote to protect ourselves. Unless it's like, not the best person gets a job, whether it's a male or female, whatever. And that, Everyone that's, says that's that. That's true equality. Everybody says that, but you have to – this is why I was hoping that you looked at that geo-hug thing. You have to think, okay, what are the criteria by which you're judging who the best person is? And if you're saying that it's merit, okay, merit – as you acknowledged before, up until the mid to late 80s, women weren't even permitted in underground mines. So where do you get a big swag of women with the underground time and experience who would currently be the CEOs mm. or the chairmans? They're not there because they didn't have the equal access to the opportunity back in the, in the past. And women only trickled through in the 90s. You know, I started working in 1989. I was one, the only professional woman on the mine site. There was um, a chemist who was working in the mill, um, in the lab, but there were no other professional women. I didn't think I was a pioneer at all. I didn't have any idea. I wasn't the first, but there were no women. There was no one for us to, to aspire to. The other thing that you'll find that evidence points to as well is that um, – the people that have been successful, they're saying that the men are risk takers, the men are ambitious. If you have a risk taking woman who's ambitious, evidence says that she will be punished for that, whereas a man will be rewarded for it. So you can't even have this best person for the job argument. I, I think it's great that, that Richard stood up and said that, and I admire those things. But women haven't had equal access to become the best person. So that's why these things like quotas are in place to try and redress this past inequality. Yep. That's a bloody that's a bloody good answer. You've always got good answers. It's like you've done it before. You've come I in prepped. I, well, I haven't come in prepped. Uh, I was hoping you were going to prep. Yeah, yeah. What, what about the whole uh, back to the? You don't. I won't call it clickbait. Some of it is because that's saying it doesn't exist at all. And it does exist. The the whole the harassment 
side of things from the industry. Yep. Because I've I've been I've been on a mine site where I've uh, I've seen it happen. Yep. And people removed, and I can tell you the um the male response to it wasn't. Ah, back and bull. It's a, quite the opposite these days because it's a good response. You mean? Oh yeah, because it's it's all of our our reputations that are getting dragged through the mud because yeah. of an individual's thinking he's it, individual's behaviour thinking he's above the above the uh, the law not not above the law but above what's considered standards. Yeah, the expectations and, expectations of behaviour and and respect. It's respect for. Um, Women, yeah, and then and we 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 get tarnished by all these new newspaper yeah. articles, which is and because and the way I see it, before I finish the question, whatever I was asking, but like because the way I see it, I, I should be able to like when a new woman comes to site, I should be able to go up to and I do this. I'll probably break a few hearts because they think I'm they fall in love with me, <laughs> think I'm coming on to them, and I let them know I'm married I with know, kids. I know, I have the same these problem. Poor bloody women. I'm sorry, but like I should be able to go up. And, and I do to a new one on site and make them feel welcome like yep. I do another bloke work, working a site. They're brand new. They're probably shitting themselves first job in underground mining. I should be able to go and have a, a happy, friendly conversation to them without them thinking I'm trying to root them. Like, and that's what I do. And, yeah. and everyone should be able to to do that and not think that – and women shouldn't have to think that just because a bloke's being friendly to them, they've got a, a, an agenda. But you've got to realise, you've got to understand why women think that. And I, you ta- know, I you do have totally to, understand. And, that, and that's that time yeah. thing we talk about. Yep. It's going to take a while before that's probably <laughs> allowed. That's not, right. Not allowed, but like um, – considered not a bloody weird thing well women are not considered equal this is my original thesis that i said to you women are not considered equal to men we're not Mm. we're you know maybe i am as a 55 year old mature woman i feel equal and i feel respected Mm. but you think of younger vulnerable women perhaps they've turned up with false eyelashes and injectables in their lips or something Mm. Uh, they're not going to be treated with the same respect that i would be and people think that that's okay to dismiss people because of how they dress, because of what they look like, because they might have big boobs, because they wear a low-cut top. That girl has been hit on so many times that she naturally doesn't expect to be treated equally. I don't care if she wears a miniskirt and, and lips plumped out like a trout. I actually don't care. Until men respect women equally in this society, that woman is going to feel vulnerable and going to feel like she is perhaps a target of um, unwanted sexual attention. Should they? What's your view on a woman going to a mine site in a low-cut dress and cleavage? I think she should be able to do whatever she wants. If we truly had an equal society, she could wear whatever she wanted and people would respect her as a person. She is a person. Do you, do you like? Is it more comfortable wearing that stuff? I'm trying to get in the inside of like of like. I suppose I suppose you've got big boobs. You can't bloody hide them. They're there. You can't just put them in the bag and um, chuck them on. And when you go to bed, it's um, that's their they're, so that's like me wearing a t-shirt and footy shorts. I guess. Well, I, you know, when I first went to mine sites, everyone was wearing those revolting little short. Um, footy shorts and wife beaters. Mm. I'm like, should I feel overcome with lust seeing a man's legs? No, I just want to talk do you, to the do person. You, do women get that same <laughs> feeling when, like, are walking around in a single? Like, geez, look at that guy's bloody – they uh, they become eye candy. Like, is it the same well, or is just it different said, for women? You've just said people fall in love with you instantly when they see you. Oh, just, I'm just so friendly. They're like, <laughs> I could settle down with this guy and then they see the wedding ring and they're just bloody heartbroken. It's like, look, sorry to all of you out there. But, uh, I'm um, taking – to an extreme, but as soon as uh, women can be respected as people who have a right to exist, it's like um, respecting someone that's different than you. The maybe the shy Asian guy, you know, he, he deserves respect. The mm. the the gay person who uh, might be confused about their identity or their sexuality. Australian society thinks that that's a an opportunity to take the piss out of somebody. Mm. And until we can accept that we have to respect everybody and whatever, however they want to present themselves and that we will still treat them equally, regardless of our judgment, because we're judging them. You're judging a girl with a short skirt. You're judging her. And what you're thinking is that she's sexually easy. Mm. So therefore, I don't have to respect her. 
that is the crux of the of the problem. Um, the other thing that the justice uh, chief justice said in his speech on Friday, he was like, "You can't put society into us and them. You can't say that it's there's only a small group of bad eggs, and then there's everybody else. Because if you did that, we all think we're everybody else. However, we all contribute to this lack of respect for people. And I thought that that point that he made was absolutely brilliant." We all have, I've laughed at sexist jokes in the past. I probably, you know, if I was not being so righteous, I probably would laugh at a slightly off-coloured joke. However, there might be somebody in the group who listened to that and it really, really uh, sent a message to them that they are not respected for mm. how they are. So We're all part of the problem. Society yeah. is part of the problem. And it's the Australian, it's Australian humour as well. What we consider Australian humour in exactly. culture. It's, um, it's uh, racist jokes, sexist jokes, all that stuff yep. is part of Australian pop culture. It, it totally yeah. is. And I've, I've been equally as guilty of laughing at it. And, and I imagine I've made people feel uncomfortable by that. Probably now, I, you know, I'm, I'm a white privileged woman. I've probably made people of color feel uncomfortable mm. because I've been uh, thoughtless in how I've, I've presented myself. So the issue, right back to the original question that wasn't really a proper question about the sexual harassment, if you'd asked me a year ago to say that, I would have felt very uncomfortable speaking up about it. However, I now realise that we all have a role to play. It's not just a few bad people. That's what the clickbait headlines are saying. There are some bad, bad eggs. I understand that you would feel uncomfortable with that, and I feel uncomfortable. Mm. I've said I didn't want to talk about it. However, I realise that we there's been three reports. There's the Rio Tinto one. There's one from the Equal Opportunity Group. There's a WA State one. These, these studies into it. It happens. Sexual harassment happens. And the stories are de uh, devastating for the leaders who become aware of it. I think we just all need to open our eyes and go, it's happening and we are all part of the problem. So what are we all going to do as individuals next time we see something that is sexual harassment? Have you spoken to people directly that have been affected by it? Are you on the ground floor with it in yes. a way? Yeah, I have, but the you know the stories that I've been told are not my stories to share. Yeah, yeah, no, but as I'm well you aware know, of that. I'm a mentor to mm. uh, you know I'm on to my seventeenth young woman that I've mentored in the mining industry. Not all of them have tales of uh, sexual harassment. I've got my own stories from from being a young woman in the late eighties, early nineties on mine sites and being a, a real minority. I have to say that I'm a fairly robust individual and I'd worked on farms, so I was pretty confident. I'm, I'm pretty feisty. I can stand up for myself. But we, we've lost a lot of talent that is not like that. Where's, where's the – so you've got the newspaper version where everyone perceives it the truth to be. Where is – from what you've, you've talked to people, people about obviously confidential not disclosing anything but you would know where the truth lies more than most where does it lie in between that but it is a lot it's a lot worse than people it's it's very far from nothing it's very far from nothing Matt. Yeah. it's it's a long way from nothing yeah. it's not a uh it, it's but it's not just on a mine site i think that's probably my point it's not just on a mine site it's in the law courts it's in the yeah. hospitals it's in society it's in the police it's yeah. it's everywhere it exists absolutely everywhere lack of respect for women is it, is it getting called out a lot more now? Do you think there's a, um, a majority? Do you think it's becoming more and more of a minority? But are you, do you think there is a lot more of, you know, people like myself that are calling it out a lot more or is that not changing? Look, I don't, I don't actually know. You know, these reports are recent. They're not, they're not five-year-old reports. They're recent. And there's some, you know, all the stuff that came out in one of them about you know, women having to trade sexual favours for promotions, for mm. shift bosses treating them favourably. It's still happening. As you said, you've still got these old guys that don't think women even belong underground. You've, you've still got that mentality. And we're not necessarily going to change those people's mentality. It's a safety issue. You've got people that are psychologically unsafe now working in mines. You've got the green people going in, you know, uh, green to mining, going into roles that, that they're going to have to grow into. Um, 
And then they're still getting told that they actually don't deserve that because there's a man that was better qualified that should have had that. I've had that shit my whole career. And it doesn't help you feel, when you feel psychologically unsafe, it doesn't help you in a high stress, dangerous environment like in an underground mine, for example. Mm. So let's go back to the the short, short shorts cleavage person, green person rocking up to a mine site, as you said, automatically possibly getting treated unequally just based purely just based on their appearance and the way they dress what would you if say if a if a female walks into an underground mining environment for instance i'm not sure i can speak on behalf of underground i know what underground mining environments are like it's a it's a very it's a boy club Mm. um what what do you deem acceptable standards and behavior around that person not just by the way they're treated but when you say if they're they automatically disadvantaged straight away what what do you deem as acceptable what i deem as acceptable is just suspending judgment around that what does it mean to see that person you know when they turn up to work which they will do they'll be wearing uniform they'll be wearing high vis they'll be wearing long pants long shirt you know that whole how you looked on your social life or how you looked when you arrived at camp has actually got nothing to do with what you, how you're likely to perform on the job. I know that there are still people, men and women, who aren't good at their jobs, but we're making an automatic assumption that that girl or that woman is not good at her job. Well, I make an automatic assumption that somebody that's obsessed with the, you know, watches the Today Show in the morning, reads the West Australian, goes fishing every weekend, is not going to be the kind of person that is going to have an open mind to nuances of what people really are about. And is that person good at, good at their job? You should come along to the Wimwire conference. We had some amazing women standing up on, on the stage talking. And if you looked at that person and knew that they were a mining engineer, you, you would make some kind of assumption about their ability. However, now that they're getting opportunities, they're staying in their jobs and they're getting promoted and they've got abilities and they're intelligent and they're passionate and they're engaged. There's so much judgment. I'm I'm being judgy saying the person that watches the Today Show and mm. reads the West. I'm I'm being equally as judgy. However, we have to keep an open mind to try and really understand people, respect their views, listen to them, see what's going on, and then make uh, make decisions if you're in a management role, making decisions and how they actually perform. The fifty percent targets, this fifty percent round number that they've picked, is that even fucking possible? I, I do actually don't think it is. I don't think it's possible at the Purely moment. Purely based on uh, biology of humans, the fact that the females have the baby and the male does not, I think that makes it. If 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 we had a uterus as well, I'm sure we'd be able to, you know, put in our bit for the cause. But I ju- it just seems like it's not possible. Well, to it depends make first, how we first view. It depends how we view caring responsibilities. By saying that, you're saying that the caring responsibilities automatically go to the female. I'm talking about the gestational period goes to the female. That's only a very small. I suppose, yeah. If you're looking yeah. at a 40 year career, uh, you know, you can work until you're five, six, mm. seven months pregnant. You can have two months of maternity leave and you can have two months of breastfeeding or three months or six months, whatever you want. That time period is so short in the overall span of a career. The kind of person that I wanted to work for when I was pregnant having babies was someone that didn't see A, pregnancy as an illness, B, that the caring responsibility was all mine, and C, that this had to make an impact on my, my ambitions and my ability to do my job. Because it absolutely didn't. I've had three kids and I've worked pretty much full time or, or part time as in, you know, 32 hour weeks for since my kids were born. Yeah. What, what about there is so there is some um, you'd know of plenty of that have done the, the 180, the full time, the male is the full time carer. Yep. What's your is it is it easy, hard, different because they're. It's a very quick transition from the mother having the babies going back to work. Like it's not bloody easy on your body having a baby. <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah, but it's not an illness, and it's not something that you can't recover from. You know, mm. yes, there are periods when you're not quite physically as strong, and you've got some hormones coursing through your body. It's not permanent. Look at me now. I've got sixteen-year-olds and a nearly twenty-year-old, and there are no lingering impacts on me, and there haven't been for many years. And the fact that I've given birth to three different children. Um, 
I, I'm talking more in the short term. After yeah, in the birth. Sh- absolutely. And everybody wants something different. Mm. But this whole idea has come relatively recently of this little nuclear family that it's a mum and dad and kids and mum looks after the kids and dad goes off to work mm. and mum really has to do everything to care for the kids. All through human history, that would not have been the case. You know, if we were in an agricultural society, we would have had teenagers and old women, you know, old menopausal women uh, looking after the babies. The mother wouldn't have been the one that had to care for the baby because having women productive was an important part in human civilization progressing and developing, having, having women being productive. But here we're now saying we're still stuck in the 1950s nuclear family. That was all invented because men came back from the war and needed jobs. Mm. So they pushed women back out of jobs that they'd been doing when men were off fighting and pushed them back and said, no, no, your place is in the home. Well, that's that's actually a, a, a modern invention. It's not, we can make society however we want to make society. We don't have to stick to any of these things. What's the biggest challenge for the females in terms of when when to have kids and you know, in terms of learning, like going through the university, yep. say a university period, then um, because there will be at some point if they want to have kids, they have to remove themselves from the industry and go back into it. And that does that present one of the challenges of when to do it, to, to kickstart your career first, get your foot in the door, then leave or or just start it all in one go afterwards? Like is that is that one of the that would be one of the challenges for them when to do it. Yeah, and isn't it frustrating that women are the ones that have to bear the burden of that mm. decision? Like it would be great. You, you do it with a partner. Most times you have a partner or maybe you haven't got a partner. It's a family issue and it's a societal issue. Why is a woman bearing the burden on her career all the time? That's the, that's the point I'm trying to make. You know, it's equally why if we lived in a society where you cared about it as much as your wife had to care about it, well, then we'd be approaching equality. If you had to think, I was lucky enough that my husband wanted to look after the kids, um, particularly with the twins. When we had the twins, he stayed at home, but he was able to work flexibly and stay at home. I didn't think that was really unusual. I mean, it didn't happen in my family. It worked for us. It worked for us really well. Why does a woman have to be the one that bears that? Society has to understand if we want to continue to populate the world, we have to take care of this issue and stopping thinking that it's necessarily just a female's job to care about the babies is mm. is part of that or to, to make that decision. I don't think there's a right answer. You have, you know, I had my kids, I started, um, I had the twins, I think, when I was 39. I had my oldest child when I was 35. So I did the career development first and then had the Mm. children and then my career has carried on. You have, uh, I know people who had their kids, you know, when they're at university and then it was a bit of a clear run really because you've got your children and if you've got a caring partner and you work together to work it out, you can then have all the opportunity. There's no no right answer. Mm. There's definitely no right answer for that. I never know if we're we're discussing arguing like it's a weird talk. It's a weird <laughs> out of it. Like, we're not arguing. I'm just I. Uh, my it's voice, always good. <laughs> I just am very vehement, and I think people think I'm arguing. I'm, I'm not arguing no, with you. No, I'm, I'm not arguing with you. I'm thought, just like, passionate about my got ideas. That out of, yeah, they got that out in the open. <laughs> I don't feel like I. And the, do you know what? This is actually another issue. If you have a woman who speaks like directly and confidently, yeah, then yeah. then people think that there's something oh she's on a fucking high horse she's on a fucking high horse and start to judge me on that and i know that i accept that i i am i'm i'm passionate and forthright yep it's just how i am oh you got to get me a bait to the one of these wimoir joints i I could live cover it (laughs) well you know what i want to get into here's here's your thoughts we can uh i can itch up for some career development advice after this but like i want to get into emceeing oh yeah yeah like just oh that's my calling I reckon you'd be good. Because good as well. But um, that's something that I want to do. And but, how good would that be? And that's the best way to get to events. I can get up there and crack a few jokes, have a few knee slappers, and bloody, <laughs> but keep it formal and uh, <laughs> to point. That is what I want to get into. There's more to it than just cracking a couple of jokes. I mean, the most important thing is to understand your audience. Exactly. Yeah. I, I said to you, I think I said this to you on the phone, I think that you've also got an opportunity, you've you, I know that you're going full time on this, mm. that you're going to leave uh, Jumbo operating. Mm-hmm. I still think that you're going to be the Ernie Dingo of the mining industry. I'm going to get me mug on the box. 
Oh, got to get me mug on the box. <laughs> That's what I reckon. <laughs> well, I love it. All the people you've picked, you've picked Ernie Dingo for whatever reason. <laughs> What's he up oh, to these he's days? Because he's quite yeah. funny and he's yes. a larrikin and it's that whole Australian cultural. I was talking to, who was it, Andrew Wibley from Goldfields and he says, what I've got is infotainment. <laughs> that was the word he put to it. I'm like, that is the best word. That's that's exactly what I'm going. But it's funny, but it's informative. Yeah, that's exactly right. No, I think you're right. It is infotainment, and and you know, there's plenty of scope for that. Emceeing, I agree that it's probably lucrative, and you have to build. You'd probably have to do a few free before you yeah, got a paid oh, gig. Really? Yeah, right. Um, yeah. And misses don't work good with free. <laughs> I was just also I've got a podcast today. It's uh, you know Rebecca Prain, MD of Cube Consulting, NED of Silver Lake. She's like, yep, good. Is she paying? <laughs> that's it's like that's that's all she asks and like based on whether the person's paying or not she's like right do i have to clean up much around here before they <laughs> you don't have to clean up for me so you didn't get any clean up because you're not paying so good <laughs> oh it's hilarious and then we we're talking about the christmas party it was one of the fellas from work He's uh, trying to get him to come again because he come to last year's. She's like, he hasn't been on the podcast. He's not allowed. He's not coming to drink your beer. I'm like, he come last year when it's like, no, nah, no, nah, that doesn't sound right. That's funny. Yes, she's well, so, obviously, she's so bloody harsh. Yeah, no, she just wants you to work out how you're going to monetize what it is that you've got going on here. <laughs> Unless she holds me accountable. Yeah, yeah, which is good. Absolutely. How long did this go for? Fifty minutes. That's a good number. That's pretty good. Yeah. You know, I yeah. try to aim for 40 because 40 is apparently like the average Attention longest commu- and commute time in Australia. Oh. So, where people listen to, they can listen to a podcast episode on commute time. 40 minutes in Perth is a bloody long way, but 40 minutes in Sydney, that's about eight kilometres. So, How big is your audience? Uh, well, it's hard. As you ain't go off like download, so it's like, yep. I don't know, massive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What is it, 12,000 downloads a month at the moment? You're kidding me. The, and then I think, what is it, LinkedIn's 4,700 followers, which I look at other companies, they're bloody, oh, 4,700's pretty good. Let's look at Cube. Oh, no, we've we've got bugger all compared to you. Cube I think cons- we've got over 1,500. 1,700. Yeah, 1,700, also, I thought so. Silver Lake Resources. Uh, isn't that funny? People also viewed Silver Lake Resources when I searched for Cube. Oh. Because of obviously No, your phone linked- can hear you talking. Yeah, probably can. They got eleven thousand, but mm-hmm. that's that's all right. So my aim's twenty thousand. Yeah. Good. That is the new goal. But yeah, I'm thinking you're, once you're an I go, influencer now. You're an influencer. Well I'm doing like but it's I'm half arsing it at the moment. Like yeah. I'm I'm half doing it because I'm half here. I'm like, I can't wait to be fully here. Yeah. And um yeah, half arsing it. You know, at the moment I'm half arsing it, but then I'll be fully doing it and half in the income. <laughs> yeah, but money isn't everything. And, no, it's not. And you're also making a decision to be closer to your family mm. and to be closer to your wife and your children. Oh, I can't and, wait. Yeah, and that's what we're all actually aiming for, for men mm. to understand that their role is not just being the breadwinner. That's mm. the 1950s, 40s, 30s, 20s. That's, that's that view. Mm. The men are not just, you know, that's why men are killing themselves because they feel so much immense pressure to be Mm. a breadwinner, to be stoic, to not show their emotions, to fit in with the other guys, to Mm. laugh at all the jokes, when perhaps men are equally as capable of feeling the whole spectrum of emotions. I'll give you you context of that because I'm at the, half the reason I'm finishing is just purely sick of going away from the kids and Mm. the missus because um, the kids are at that fun age. And like, and all like that first two or three days at work for me are just, oh, it's just horrendous, yeah. especially night shift because I don't go to the pub for the first few days. So I'm literally going back to my room by myself. And you're lonely. And, and tired. And, um, and that's been the main decision. But that's coming from like, I've got – you would consider the – I would consider the best job on site, like it's the best paid and I enjoy my job. Like it's not a it's not a strain for me to go to work. I'm in the perfect environment to work mm. doing what I do. And like <laughs> one morning I'm like, I don't want to go to the pub. I just don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to go to my room and go to bed. I was tired. I was missing home. And so I've gone and, you know, typical donger. So I've got my toilet and I've got the TV out there so I can watch a movie while I'm on the shitter. And – this interstellar movie come on was on and it was at the back end of the emotional bloody family bit and i'm like crying on the toilet (laughs) 
taking a dump. And I'm like, if anyone could see me right now. <laughs> well, you've that, just outed yourself on that one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. But like, and that's and but that's the thing. I'm I'm going through that, but I've got the best job on site, and I'm week on week off. So yeah. what's a what's a, a father on two and one that's um, earning under half as much and got kids at home and yep. kids that aren't, might not be healthy, for instance, I'm like, what, what are they going through? If I'm going through that and my kids are healthy, my marriage is awesome and I've got the best, what I consider the best life ever. So that's why how I put it in perspective. So Yeah, yeah. And, and won't it be great to me, this is why I talk about equality, when we're in a, a respectful, equal society, that man who's away from his kids and feels sad and feels lonely and feels pressured would be able to talk to another bloke about how he's mm. feeling. Mm. Isn't that goals? Isn't I that think, what I, we want to And, get and to? it is good. Well, I, I'm very, very open about it and everyone's openly listens to me. Um, yeah. And I try to – and that, that's the weird thing. That's the most stuff you talk about these days is kids <laughs> up there because you're talk, talking to other fathers about kids because that's what I like talking about. Yeah. And that's what they're talking about. And you talk about how shit it is being away from them, but that's a – it's just that little conversation can just get it out. That just might make their day a little bit better. Yeah. Well, I love that. And I think you're yeah. lucky that you're, you're able to talk about how you feel. And I think you're lucky that you've got mm. people that want to talk to you. There's a hell of a lot of men that are not in that position mm. and that they think it's all bullshit. Feelings are bullshit. They're not, they're not bullshit. And men are equally as capable as women of feeling the whole suite of human emotion. Mm. Oh, we've solved the world's problems oh, once God, again. Our good. annual bloody uh, this is would our AGM, you'd say. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Prony. Thank you very much. That's all right, Maddie. We've nailed it once again. You're going to have to make it more frequent now. Oh God. Yeah, it's a bloody half an hour commute down here from North Perth. Yeah, well, I did offer. Like, I was thinking, oh, you got um. We've got gin, we've got white wine if you need it. Like, but you've rocked up in your Lorna Janes and having a water, so. That's right, yeah. Yeah, fitness yeah. day. Right, thank you, mate. No worries, Love my pleasure. Work. <laughs>